You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. And welcome back to The Recovered Life Show, episode 109, Friday, May 13th, 2022. How you doing, Christina Dennis? I am doing fabulous, Damon Frank. How are you? You ready for this spooky day? I am. It's freaky. It's May 15th, <laughs> Friday the 13th. And, uh, you know, I, I I didn't realize it, honestly, until late last night. I was like, it is Friday the 13th. Everything bad is supposed to happen today. Supposedly. I don't believe that. But yes, yes. I noticed it this morning. That's how out of touch I was. So <laughs> you're ahead of the game. Well, I will tell you, I don't believe that, uh, but we do, just as a little pun, we are going to kind of organize the first part of the show around Friday the 13th. Look, um, anybody who is new to recovery or has been in recovery for a while has had those Friday the 13th days where yes. everything goes wrong. Like right? I'm telling you, like you can't wake up and get out of bed without stubbing your toe. <laughs> exactly exactly i you know we'll get into it in a few minutes but i have some theories on why that is around this day okay. specifically. good 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 christina dennis is actually the most lucky person in the world and oh. nothing bad ever happens to her exactly but she's going to participate in this conversation anyway <laughs> which is which is which shows her spirit Oh, and goodness. willingness to participate. <laughs> That's huge pressure. Before we get into it, though, I want to let everybody know this show's being brought to you by Recovered Life contributors and people like you. Please like, share, follow, and leave us a comment so that we can keep bringing interesting discussions. Also visit info.recoveredlife.us. You can leave a donation and join the network and become part of the Recovered Life family. That's info.recoveredlife.us. Thank you so much, Christina Dennis. That was so great for you to mention that. Uh, we love it when people become part of the community. And I'm just mm -hmm. gonna give a little, I'm just gonna give a little teaser here. Guys, if you are not a member of the Recovered Life community, get go now and make mm -hmm. that happen, right? Because we've got a lot of really great stuff coming up. And the value for it being free, yes. totally free is amazing and people not only are enjoying it but what we have coming up here in the next 30 days 60 days 90 days you definitely want to be a part of that so definitely head over to recoveredlife.us and make that happen for yourself if you haven't done so already um and i'm sure that when people do head over there christina that they'll find a pile of money in the street uh oh and that yep. everything will be good because <laughs> <laughs> right? Turn that up. You know, attract something different. So tell me, what do you think about Friday the 13th? You said you didn't well, believe in it. Well, no, here's the thing. Honestly, I am kind of superstitious. I was, you looking, are. You know, I thought about this. Yeah, I thought about this. And I said, you know, does superstition play a role in my recovery at all? Like, let's talk about sobriety and superstition. And at first glance, I know we're talking about, you're like, well, what does that have to do with it? Right. But right. it really does. The more we are talking about it, we realize that like, you know, the sober superstitions and magical mm -hmm. thinking in sobriety is really most of early sobriety and getting sober, right? A lot it of sure is. 
It sure is. I, yeah. I mean, I was trying to remember uh, back to, you know, the early days. And I, I remember like exactly some of the things that you were told to do, you know, some of the warnings that came out. And I, I mean, because I hated them, I wanted my sobriety so badly and I didn't ignore them. And I do believe that those actions, you know, like never turning down a request, <laughs> those kinds of things, like you just don't do it. If you don't want to go, you go um, no matter what. I think they were important. They were powerful actions that uh, that I took. So I, well, I look, agree. 12 steps, 12 steps has a lot of superstitions in it. Sure about does. About like never show up a minute late to a meeting. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of these, a lot of these are just being polite. Right. And I tell you, a lot of these are just like courtesy. Yes. that we've kind of lost. And, you know, when this all went down with 12 step, you know, the twenties, the thirties, the forties, the fifties, when it was really kind of ma making it happen, right. Those kind of courtesies were much more, uh, were, were much more prevalent than in today's yes. society. You realize how different it is. Like when you read the big book or something like that, you realize how different society is. It's the same and different all at the same time. So, so true. And, and like I said, those are foundations that helped me <clears throat> get and be part of the fold, you know, make me really start to rely on my 12 step family. But I also, and as everybody knows, has gone into like uh codependency recovery very early into my recovery. And so sometimes those would, you know, kind of confuse me, like never turn down a request, but also have some boundaries. <laughs> it, yeah. it took discussion. Yeah. It really did. It really did. Well, what you know, both are true. Both are yes. true. Like in early recovery, not turning down a request is probably a good idea for 90% of the people. But for 10% of the people, they're in there because they won't turn down requests, right? <laughs> exactly. So, so you're right. There is this, this yin and yang. But what I wanted to kind of dive into here are these sober superstitions of, 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 about sobriety. Okay. Yes. And just about, and also getting sober. And I want to throw out a couple of here, like about drinking about, and you know, somebody might be listening to this now and they're thinking, eh, I'm kind of sober curious. I yes. think I might be an alcoholic or drug addict or codependent or something like that, but I'm not quite sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. I will tell you what's running through most people's head because you know, you and I have been there. Right. And we right. work with people that do that is some of the superstitions is, is that uh, my drinking will be under control if I can just get that thing, that people, yes. place, or thing, right? And yes. a lot of it is relationships. If I could just fix this relationship, everything is going to be fine with my drinking. Absolutely. It's their fault. Or if I have a different job, I won't drink like I do. And I like the, I like the one where, well, I, you know, if I have a period of abstinence from alcohol, then I'll be able to come back and have a drink occasionally. And I mean, we've said this before, if you're able to do that, then you're probably not an alcoholic because if you are an alcoholic and you've already established that relationship with alcohol, it's going to be there waiting. I mean, let's talk about that. One of the, the yeah. things that we get told, and I don't know if it's a superstition or reality, I don't want to test it, is that even during the periods of not drinking, your disease is over there doing push-ups, waiting. Yeah. 
Do you believe that? Well, I think let's talk about that. And look, Christina Dennis and I are not doctors and we're not diagnosing anyone. And obviously, you know, uh, addiction is a very serious life-threatening disease. So if you believe that you have it, you feel that you need a diagnosis, go to somebody who could do that. we, We deal with people who day to day that actually want to get sober, they're on their path, but they might be struggling, right? Right. And right. the thing is, Christina, that's interesting about this is the big superstition that you talked about is that I'm able to drink like my fellows. Yes. I think, you know, I'm just going to put it into a sentence like that is mm-hmm. is a huge lie. And, you know, look, if, you, if you're new to a 12-step program or therapy or a group or coaching, you know, you're going to run, you know, you're going to wonder, it's like, I wonder if they're buying this. Right. You know, that, right. you know, that, no, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem. It's, it's, I just need to get on the straight and narrow yes. and then I'm going to be able to enjoy and control my drinking. This is the big lie and superstition of recovery. It so is. And and when we were talking before the show, we were talking about all the trappings that we believe if they're just under control, like you brought up relationships. Money is another one. You know, I, I if I just get that right job and I'm able, if I get this influx of cash, if there's something shows up that I can change things, I won't need to drink like I drank before. So therefore I won't. And that is magical thinking. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's like this, being healthy, right? Mm-hmm. This whole being healthy yes. thing. That's another, the gym rat thing. Yes. I mean, I don't know how many people I said, you know what? I'm actually not going to pursue getting sober. I'm just going to go to the gym more. Right. And if I can get that next body weight, be a, my measurement, or yes. if I can do that next thing, then it's going to be fine. I'm not going to, I'm no longer going to be an alcoholic. Well, and, and I mean, make no mistake, exercise does help. We actually did a segment about how exercise is being brought into rehab facilities and they're testing, you know, the statistics about how much it helps people remain sober, but it does not cure your drinking. And I've seen that before where I, you know, I, I used to be an alcoholic, but now I'm a gym junkie and it's still avoiding, you know, the truth. It's still escaping in a different way. And it needs to be watched. Well, look, we have, we could do a whole other segment about the other side of superstitions, which is magical <laughs> thinking. And yes. I threw in magical thinking in there because I got to tell you as a high performance recovery coach, dealing with people, trying to get them from point A to point Z, mm-hmm. you know, and when I say that high performance, you know, for some people is they just want to get out of bed in the morning and they want to get through the day sober. Right. right? And then they want to pursue something in life. Right. Other people that might be, we're running a marathon, you know, we're the chairman of the board, whatever that is. Right. So it's different for different people, but I am going to tell you this magical thinking is runs rampant Mm -hmm. with people in recovery. And it's very tough because as a high performance coach, a lot of times, you know, Christina, when you and I work with people together, a lot of the times my role is to just say, it's like, ah, you got to push yourself a little bit more. Right. Like you could, I'm going to make you accountable to push yourself a little bit more. And the thing is, is that what I notice about this is that uh, there is a difference between magical thinking and playing full out. Gotcha. And stretching, right? I mean, don't you think? Because I know I've talked with clients a lot about that. 
Absolutely. And, and uh, a magical thinking sometimes, you know, to me looks like I'm, I'm going to, you know, it's like that law of attraction stuff. Like if I just say these affirmations every day, somehow I will, you know, be in that home, that dream home. If I say, you know, I am a millionaire, that's going to just increase my bank account. And that is not true. Um, I know in some of our recovered life discussions, we've talked about the fact that affirmations don't work if your brain doesn't have a plan and attach, you know, and, and especially if your brain knows it's magical thinking, like that's not going to happen. And you and I talked about like, what is the difference between execution and magical thinking? We need to be able to set big goals. We need to have, you know, the conception and the reality of, of, you know, describing, imagining a big, beautiful life. But we yes. also need, we also need next steps and need to ask those hard questions of ourselves. How am I going to get there? What do I have to do next? And a lot of times people will say, I got sober and, you know, nothing changed. Well, they just put down drinking. They didn't actually make the changes. It's work. Well, you know, look, this comes right down to the nitty gritty that a lot of people don't want to say in recovery coaching, right? That it is execution. Mm -hmm. It actually is the big game changer. You could know everything about, right. about being sober. You could, you could be able to know everything that 12 step has to offer. Therapy has to offer. Look, I know doctors and lawyers and judges right. And, you know, very high profile people, celebrities that are that are in recovery, their success in the outside world did it hurt them, to be honest mm -hmm. with you, it's mm -hmm. over a lot of times because they think that they know that how to do it. And that's a superstition. It's like, well, I know how to do this. Right. And clearly we don't a lot of the times know how to do it. Right. We don't know how to live life sober. So no. I think that the key is, is that execution is this big demarcation line. Right. Gotcha. The, uh -huh. You can know, like, look, I mean, I hear this a lot. I remember when I first got sober, I was in my twenties, things were just an absolute mess. Right. And you know, me as an entrepreneur now, as a coach, as a business person, you know, I, I have got a lot together. of stuff going on. Yep. I have a lot of responsibilities, right. With, 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 with high profile people. And the thing is, is that I, you know, I couldn't get there if I couldn't cut the check for rent. Right. If I couldn't pay my bills on time, if I could. And look, when I first came into recovery, that did not happen. Right. Mm. But I, yet I had this, I'm going to live this life. I'm going to live, which I think having vision is important, but it really came down to me. The big shift for me was when I woke up and made my bed in the morning. Yep. That was a shift because it wasn't thinking about having this wonderful life. It was actually starting to take actions to sustain a life so that I could create something bigger. You're so, so right. And the willingness to be present to your your current circumstances and to reach out, work with a coach, work with a therapist, say, okay, I keep doing these behaviors. I know where I want to go. I finally have an idea of what I want. I realize alcohol is not getting me there. It's taking me away. Now, what are the next steps that I have to take? And, you know, having accountability is so important, not only to determine the next steps, you know, I remember people saying, well, if you could do 
X, Y, and Z. Why didn't you do X, Y, and Z? <laughs> right? If right. I could be married to somebody better, you know, my my partners' relationships when I work with people, and some people will say, "Well, I I deserve more." And so my question, as harsh as it might sound, would be like, "Well, then why don't you have it?" <laughs> yeah, and that's well, magical, magical thinking. thinking. Yes. Yeah, this is, and you know, look, uh, we have the you know, I'm much more in the Hollywood area. Yes. You're in the OC, but you know, look, if you have done any time in the rooms of, of, of any 12 step program here or had any kind of fellowship here, uh, you, you have the person who's sitting in the back of mm -hmm. the 12 step meeting saying that they've got this film that they're going to be producing. Yes. <laughs> you know, and they've got <laughs> yes. this next hot script, but have not taken action. You know, I could go back now, you mm -hmm. know, 10 years later, and they're still sitting in the back of the room talking about this thing. Right. That they want to do not taking any action. Right. And this is the this is the key. Like I talk about this a lot is that one of the reasons I got into this is because I saw so many people sitting in the back mm -hmm. of the room, not living their best recovered life. They were stuck in and they were bitter because the magical thinking didn't work. Right. They got some of the superstitions that they thought, like mm -hmm. the relationship, the car, the job, the house, and they're friggin miserable. Yes. 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 It's like going to, you know, someone telling me, well, I go to meetings every day, but they don't sit up front. They don't raise their hand. They don't take the action to connect with somebody else. And they're curious about why they're lonely and, and saying, well, that doesn't work. You know, this didn't work. I did what people told me to do. And not really, you know, and I think having uh, the self-awareness is really important. Um, and it takes us away from magical thinking. You know, like I said, if you could be the president of your company, why aren't you the president of your company? <laughs> why aren't you there? What do you have to do the very next day to start that? And I love that you brought up making your bed because that was some of the good superstitions that helped me build a discipline, a foundation of discipline that helped me get to, you know, a really beautiful recovered life. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? And some of this is self-esteem too. We mm -hmm. were just talking about earlier, you know, and the, the you know, what I love about the show, Christina, is that, you know, we, we've got TGIF Sober, the next thing where we talk about our weekend recovery, right? Right. Because it's not just about these imaginary people right, <laughs> that are staying sober or trying to get sober, right? Like, no, that's us. Like we're actually, mm -hmm. we're actually doing the deal. Like I always say in business, we're eating our own dog food, right? Like yeah. <laughs> I love these, these, these companies. The perfect example is you say, we're all about the, about you, about customer service, but yet they send you to some, you know, foreign country mm -hmm. that does not speak your language to try to help you out. You can never reach anybody. Right. Okay? And if you do talk to somebody, they don't want to talk to you. They have a bad attitude. They're not about people. That's a no. last, you know, that's, that's magical thinking right there. So the 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 difference with this, we're actually doing it. So like yes. this same thing happens to us. We were just talking about this uh, an hour ago, Christina, about how it's like, I was like, oh man, I made that bad move. And I think I made that bad move because of programming I had right. through being a little codependent on some things. It's like, I made that move and that was kind of magical thinking in the wrong way that I didn't right. deserve to really have this. And this is the person, Christina, that's sitting next to the guy who wants to get that script done, but's never taking action. This is the person yes. who they're taking actions, but their self-esteem is such, 
either through codependency or just getting beat down in life or dysfunction that they're that they're just uh they just don't believe that they have the worth to have that life so true and and uh you know i really believe that uh when you identify as an addict there is so much around that that needs to be addressed you know in interventions a lot of times it'll be a younger person and what you see is it's all about that person and their problem and they don't actually treat the source and that's the family dynamic something needs to be fixed this person isn't just an island who showed up and oh that's a bad apple there's stuff going on yeah yeah well that's like where you hear a lot of stuff look we hear this in groups is trauma dumping mm -hmm. you know where people come in and they just trauma dump but there's yeah. no solution there's no action there's no recovery it's yes. just talk and you know we talk about this a lot that there is a uh you know even in coaching like we, we've seen this in coaching and it bothers me but mm -hmm. it's a character defect probably but it really riles me up when some groups are really just all about trauma dumping yes and there's and, no solution there mm -hmm. and the people running them are trying to encourage the trauma dumping so they don't really have to give value right, right. like and so you're and you're and you're sitting there you're going like there's no recovery here now i'm not saying expressing that you've had a bad day or that everything you feel that everything sucks and that the world sucks and that you don't know how you're going to get through the next couple of hours i'm not saying that that doesn't have value I'm yes. saying that that if you're stuck there, you know what I mean? That's a problem. It is. It is. And I think the the phrase that you're looking for is trauma bonding. And that does not help okay. anybody. <laughs> that does not help anybody. So uh, absolutely got to look around the, in your world and look at the people you're surrounding yourself with and see, do they have a solution? Not that they have to be there already, but are they intent on moving forward and actually getting out of magical thinking and taking the right next step. And I love that. Christina Dennis, final thoughts on magical thinking, sober superstitions. If you, if somebody's listening to this and they feel that they're caught, they mm -hmm. are trapped mm -hmm. into, oh my gosh, I do believe all these superstitions and magical thinking. What would be your recommendation to get out of that? Oh, get somebody to help you. That's really invest in yourself. Get somebody to help you. Check the five people around you and see where they are. Are they going the same place that you want to go? Or are they content with sitting on their laurels and being unhappy? Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, one of the things that I would say is that, you know, sit down with a notepad mm. and start jotting some stuff down and start thinking what you think about yourself and what you think you're going to do. And then on the other column, you know, I just have people write down what they're actually doing. Yes. And oh, you're going to find out that most of, you know, most of the things that I've realized as a coach is, Christina, is that most people spend time thinking. Yes. They don't spend time doing. There were chronic, uh, you know, alcoholics and people in recovery are addictive thinkers. We'll just right. think ourselves to death. Yes. We'll just think ourselves to death and take no action at all. So it, if if column if the left hand column is five pages long and the right hand column of what are you actually doing is two sentences, then maybe you need to kind of address that. That you yes. know, that, that's my <laughs> final thought. Agreed. Agreed. Such a good thought. <laughs> well, we have much more show coming up, Christina. Um, so 
I did want to mention before we move on, uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on in the Recovered Life community. One of the ways that you can help us is like, share, and follow this. You guys, I, I just have to tell you, just one like, a share, and follow in the YouTube world, in the Facebook world, in the Twitter world, it really helps us. It allows allows people to know like, hey, you know what? This has value. And if this does have value for you, we're just going to ask one simple question. It's great if you can donate. It's great if you could do that to help us get the, the word out there. But what's even more important for us is that you share this with a friend. Yes. The best way to do that is to send them to recoveredlife.us to join the Recovered Life community and hook up with somebody like Christina Dennis, who's out there who can really help you make a move in the right direction. Christina, coming back. Uh, from this very, 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 very short break, we've got the, I know it's your favorite segment of the it week, EIF Sober. It, yes, it is. Stay okay, tuned. here we go. Coming back in just five seconds. You're listening to The Recovered Life Show. Welcome back to Spooky Friday the 13th. Uh, before we jump into TGIF Friday, I want to remind everybody that this show is being brought to you by Recovered Life contributors and people like you. Like Damon just mentioned, make sure to like, share, follow, leave us a comment so we can bring interesting topics to the show. Visit info.recoveredlife.us, join that network, which is completely free. And uh, leave us a donation that allows us to keep helping others. That's info.recoverlife.us. Well, I got to tell you, Christina, one of the things that just was on my to-do list here, I've got a huge to-do list for the week. I've got, I've got a no kidding. Uh, yeah, my right column, by the way, which we were talking about, which is a to-do list of the, what I'm actually doing is bigger than my left hand. Yay. So <laughs> I know that I'm actually doing it right. But all my to-do list is I'm going to have a jingle done for TGIF Sober because this is my favorite segment of the week, just like you, because we, we're not just talking about uh, what's going on in other people's recovery or what other experts think about recovery. Uh, we're talking about what's going on in our recovery, what we did, what we have, what yes. happened in the community. And uh, it's always an exciting time. So why don't you kick it off, Christine? I know we started Monday uh, with a with a really great room that I host uh, all about setting up your sober week. Yes, it was such a beautiful, beautiful discussion. And, uh, you know, when we start off our Mondays with the right intention, you know, it's not just a moment. It's actually saying out loud, making that commitment to yourself. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I plan to do to grow, to learn new information, to move forward. It is so helpful. I really look forward to the Monday morning discussion because it sets me like, oh, gosh, that's right. My life can't just happen. I have to be intentional about going after those things that I want, never staying still. You know, I heard uh, three to stay, four to grow. I remember that was one of those statements that was brought to me and it really, really helped me. And I always launch it on Mondays with uh, our Recovered Life family. Well, you're not going to wake up suddenly, spontaneously and start playing big. And right. if you do, you're not going to get anywhere, right? Like, no. and this is the thing with people in recovery, a lot of times we're chasing our tail, right? Yes. Because we can't really wrap our minds around how to actually execute it. I think having this, one of the things with the recovered life discussion with have, you know, creating your sober weekly game plan, 
which mm-hmm. has been so great about it is that it puts me on kind of notice in a really weird way early in the yes. week. And one of the things I got was it's like, oh yeah, I made a commitment to exercising a little bit more. I made a commitment right. to uh, calming down a little bit and, and, and connecting spiritually a little bit more. Cause you know, like I felt like this week, this last month, I've been so busy mm-hmm. with life that I'm packing so much in the stream of life that I've kind of lost my disconnection a little bit. Right. And I right. needed to kind of spend a little time. I wanted to have a little bit of fun and work on my garden. Cause I'm a garden nerd. Yeah. Right? I had some business stuff I want to do. So it's just like, and how does that relate to my recovery? I think just like, putting this all down and just talking about it and hearing what other people have to say uh, about what they're committing to this week is, is it, it makes it worthwhile. It does. And it takes out, I mean, any kind of thinking that, that we're going to spontaneously connect to our higher power or to others. Really, we have to schedule it. And as you beautifully said, that includes joyful action. That includes spiritual hobbies. That's the term that I use because connecting with ourselves, connecting with what makes life good, catching those moments, taking them in is actually a cognitive process. And I think a lot of us in the world, not just in recovery, kind of think, well, that should just happen. Like if I if I do the stuff, that that I will naturally do that in between work. I haven't found that to be the truth. Like we have yeah. to intentionally schedule times of breaks. You know, I, I focus a lot on the nervous system. And so one of my commitments to myself was to take four to five breaks throughout the day to ground myself, to, you know, shut down the computer and step away. And that room really helps me. Oh, one of the things that I've been doing this week is I committed to, I, I don't like the gym. I don't like having, no. like, we've got 18 Stairmasters here, a bicycle. Like, uh-huh. I've got one in the living room, right? Who always <laughs> becomes a coat rack Yes, with my family. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's an expensive coat rack with, with pedals. Yes, of um, course. And I use it every once in a while, but you know what? The weather's been great here. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go out and I'm going to walk three times a day. And last night I remember sitting there and it mm-hmm. was dark and I was just like, oh, I didn't do it three times a day. I skipped it because I had a call and I didn't make myself a priority. So I'm like, right. you know, I'm going to go back out now. Right? right. And I went out and I actually did it. Right. And I felt so much better because I kind of have achieved that. Yes. Right? I've achieved, I'm, I'm doing something for myself. And I think one of the things with TGIF sober uh, that I love is that when I go back through my week, I realized that like, wow, you know what, at the very beginning, I had to take time to carve out a recovery plan. What am I working on? Do I have a resentment? Do I have an amends? Do I have, what do I have that I have to work on Mm -hmm. uh, that, that is important for me this week, not to win at, but to just be aware of. Yes. Yes. Esteemable acts. You know, when I was out there drinking, I missed deadlines. I missed showing up. I was too hungover. You know, I missed ever scheduling something for my own behalf, ever parenting myself. That was a concept I have is learning something new. is learning something new so tuesday uh in our recover life discussion called rewire your brain we actually take time for an hour to think about these concepts and to put our mind toward you know things that maybe just don't show up and this week we talked about an ethic of love 
versus lovelessness. And it was such a beautiful discussion. It really put me in the right frame of mind to cultivate love, not to assume that it's going to come. And uh, it, it's we've been studying the book Atlas of the Heart from Dr. Brene Brown, um, who happens to be in recovery and just announced she celebrated 25 years, you know, congratulations. And she was talking about the word love and it was so interesting. She said there, that there are actually researchers in this field that don't believe love is an emotion. Field that don't believe love is an emotion. <laughs> and she really? laughed when she shared it because that's how, you know, she's a grounded theory researcher, which means that the participants decide what the hypothesis is, not a researcher or somebody who's ahead of a study. But then she quickly shared uh, that there is a uh, data out there that shows when they um, took a, a thousands of undergrads and they told them, we want you to rate whether something is an emotion or isn't. So zero to four, four being this is absolutely an emotion and zero being no, this isn't one. And love was 3.94. And the closest one to it was hate. And so I think as a general consensus, we understand that yes, love is an action, but it's also an emotion. And in 12 Steps, you will hear feelings aren't facts. And I agree with that to some degree, but I love that when we start paying attention to what the feeling is, it'll give us information. And so yeah. having, you know, being oriented toward love, how can you show others love? How can you show yourself love? is, I mean, always going to be something that benefits my recovery. I really like that room. I, I listened to that on the replay and uh, it was great. Uh, it was very deep, mm -hmm. you know, and what I loved about that was the community, what the community had to say. Yes. When you were, when you went over this data and when you, when you started reading the chapters, right? Like how, how they had a hard time communicating. Yes. Love but they felt love, but they had a hard time communicating that. And I think that that was really beautiful. And the, and where people go with this topic wasn't where I thought, you know, never it was, is. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting. And, you know, and I think when you have people that are in recovery, uh, I think that that topic is even more uh, important because I think a lot of the times, you know, we talk about the emotion wheel, a lot of the times we're, we're trying to figure out what emotion we're actually having, especially in early sobriety. Absolutely. We might feel uncomfortable, but we're actually resentful or yes. we might feel this way, but we're actually hungry or whatever. Right? Yes. Like, so the emotions are kind of all over the place in early recovery. And you could hear people that were in early recovery kind of stumble with this a little bit, have feel these Im immense emotions and people that had more sobriety, felt the feeling, but had a harder time communicating it. It was really interesting. Yes, yes. I, I, I believe wholeheartedly that the fear of feeling is much worse than the actual feeling. You know, oh. when somebody's ready to sit down and actually feel the grief, it's the fear that keeps us behaving in an addictive manner, that keeps us disassociated from our body, that keeps us running. And, you know, you can run in sobriety as much as you can when you are drinking alcoholically, you can detach. And so just having this idea that that's actually the goal of life. I mean, I sure as heck didn't feel lovable when I first got here. I really didn't. And it took many years, even into double digit sobriety, where I 
actually started feeling like I was lovable. I remember there was this affirmation that people would share it during that time. I am capable and lovable. And I knew that I was capable, right? I had accomplished things, but I really didn't know I was lovable. And uh, one of the, the definitions for Renee Bounds team is that you can only love to the degree that you love yourself. And I'm like, oh, because I was thinking that perfect. I was loving other people, but I wasn't. Yeah, perfect. You know, what What was a bit, what's the big takeaway? Because I know that you've been doing this topic for a couple of weeks now. What was it? What's the big takeaway that you've gotten from her research and discussing well, this with the community? That is so important to have language around those emotions. It's incredibly important because defining them helps inform how we're going to live through them and what we need to do next. You know, it doesn't mean over identification. You know, we don't want people setting up throw pillows in their their grief, but it does mean giving the correct amount of time to have the feeling with the safe people around you so that it can come through you and, and go out. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, it's interesting as we dive more into that topic uh, in the next coming weeks, I think it's going to be great because I, so many people are getting stuff out of that. Yes. Uh, speaking about topics and we, we talked about being uncomfortable with certain topics, uh, creating healthy boundaries. Yes. The discussion that we have on Wednesday. Talk about that because I want to share with you uh, old school, my uh, long-term sobriety men's group that was the topic creating healthy boundaries last really time. and well, it was very interesting it was uh so i had shared a little story about how i had received a direct message from somebody that said not everybody is has a fear of rejection i think you're just projecting on us <laughs> and it, you know i was only uh, i think it was from my the rewire your brain room so i was actually just transmitting transmuting information it wasn't yeah. even a personal thought but to be honest, I really do believe that we have an extreme fear of rejection. It's biological to be rejected, you know, in, uh, you know, thousands of years ago would mean that you died. So I do believe that almost everybody, well, everyone has a fear of rejection. And what I shared was how interesting that the codependency and the fear shows up. And I did what I tell other people to do and what we do at The Recovered Life. I shared about it. I took the shame out of it by saying, wow, I had all these feelings and thoughts show up when I got this random message from a stranger. And, you know, and it was literally like I could, you know, flip through a catalog. The first one is, oh, my gosh, is that how I come off? The second one was, what a jerk, really? You know, I'm not seems like you're really afraid of rejection, you know, and I had all these options of how I could reply and shoot a text back and say, you know, come on, what are you doing? Thanks for coming, but you don't have to come anymore. And so I was really honest about the fact that I had those reactions. And because we had just done the, the, the love list, the code of love, the ethics of love, I recognized, okay, I need to approach this with love. How can I love this person? And they gave me a true gift because I had these reactions, but I was able to share them with people. I had some healing, other people had some healing. And I recognized that this is a daily deal. Like we have yeah. to become spiritually fit. We cannot change the world around us. There will always be people who hear something that you possibly weren't trying to say 
and how you react to that. It's like, I don't shame myself for having those feelings. I just observe them and realize they're not going to make the decision. Well, yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that um, with rejection, you know, a lot of the work with accountability that I do with people is like, okay, showing up, taking action, you're going to get rejection. Yes. You know, I, I, um, it's weird because I had a little, I, I, just to share a little thing with you, what I thought about when I yes. was in, in that discussion was that, uh, when my past career, uh, set me up where I would do a lot of calls, a lot of sales calls and mm -hmm. a lot of high pressure kind of negotiation stuff in 99% of it is rejection. Yes. I mean, it's like literally 99%. And, you know, and I remember going through this training where I just droned it out of me, like literally really? NLP'd it out of me uh -huh. so that when I got rejected, I would get a dopamine hit. Gotcha. So excited. So mm -hmm. when somebody rejected me, I would feel excited. And why you is know? that? Because and you knew, you knew something no, good was coming. I, I would double down and that's why I was very successful at it because I doubled down. The rejection didn't phase me. I just keep going. And what happened is like, you know, became very successful at that. Yes. And I use that today. So a lot of times when I hear rejection, I get happy. Gotcha. That's one thing left, right? So a lot of it is interpretation that right. I find. It's like, you know, and I was talking that I received a rejection too that same day on something. And you know me, I rarely get like, I laugh no. when people reject. I'm like, okay, right. check that I can now go on to the next thing or that's the objection. I go, I don't care. I'm crazy that way. Right. I don't really care. Right. But this one bugged me because it, 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 it I felt that they were rejecting who I was. Goodness. Person, yes. Not what I was doing. Right. Yes. And this is the, and this was the thing that I, I was like, wow. Okay. I got to look at that because that is weird. Like, why am I having, and it was so, and they weren't even mean about it. They were just the way they said it was mm. like, I thought it was kind of a done deal. And I was like, and then I had the thing, this is kind of weird code about why well, I'm actually helping them out, but I wasn't really, you know, it okay. was, it was just a simple thing, but it's so interesting because this feeling came and it was shocking to me because I typically don't have that. Right. I don't have, I've really worked on that so much that I don't take it personal when people reject me. Matter of fact, take the opposite. Yes. It's like, dude, they're living their life. That's their thing. That works for them. Right. Maybe they're not looking at it this way. Maybe they are. And they, this just isn't for them, but this one got me and I had this feeling and I had to actually sit for a second. I was in the car. I was like, why am I having this feeling? Yes. I don't even care about this. Right. Why am I having this feeling? You know? And it was for me, this comes down to this underlining thing that most alcoholics in recovery have is they realize that they have a deep uh, relationship with shame. Yes. That shame is, is floating down, not what they think you are, but who they think you are. Yes. Or what you're doing, but who they, who, they, who you think you are right deep down exactly. inside. And it had hit on that in a really weird way. And I was like, this is ridiculous. It has nothing to do with this. Right. But it's interesting that even after, you know, almost three decades, Christina, I could still have that. It shows how powerful uh, this really can be. It is so powerful. And uh, when that happened to me and I was, you know, sharing it with the group and everybody was really supportive, sharing that, you know, they too have this and this has happened in their life. I started thinking about the lovelessness term that we discussed uh, in Rewire Your Brain. And lovelessness uh, is uh, the 
the ability, it, it, what happens, it's the void of love. It's not hate, it's the void of love. And it was, you know, lovelessness occurs when we don't stand up for things that we believe in, right? So yes, when, yes. I, and so the fact that you were having a reaction because you believe in working together, you believe in making connections, you know, for me, the fact that I had a reaction shows me that I, I am working out of love, right? And it felt like, um, like this person was rejecting me and they, yes, and it yeah. felt like that. So, so it kind of helped me go around and say, well, it's okay that I'm sensitive. I don't think it's possible to be in a world where you aren't afraid of rejection. And I don't think that people, um, that we talk about that as much as we well, should. This was what we did talked about in the unstuck room real quick really? that, uh, about, uh, about accountability about why you're not doing what you say you're going to do. Right. And so mm -hmm. here's the thing. I agree with you. I, I, but here's where we take kind of a, here's where I take a little turn on that. I think you're human. Of course, you're going to feel these feelings. Yeah, yeah. That's what we do. And alcoholics are even going to misinterpret these. Okay. So we have to be very careful about what it means. But just because you're afraid doesn't mean you shouldn't take the action. Just because somebody criticizes you doesn't mean that you shouldn't do what you're doing. And so this is true. it's the interpretation of it. We then make these decisions that are not based in reality at all. It is like going back to the last segment. It's magical thinking right. based on interpretations that have nothing to do with what's really going on. We do learn that in recovery, you know, that other people's expectations are not our business. Other people's opinions of us are not our business. But for me, that doesn't mean that I don't react sometimes. Um, and so I allow myself to react. I could say, wow, the reason why this hurts is because I care a lot about the work I'm doing and then get to a point where it's okay if that person felt something they didn't want to feel. Look at the gift they brought me right look at Absolutely. we're still talking we're still talking about it today and based on people's re you know reactions in the community that weighed in it's not a christy thing it's an everything no no it's well that's thing. a great thing about the recovered life community uh christina and just to end the tgif sober uh segment on that is that the community is what gives you the feedback and when you have yes. a great community like recovered life who are people that are really doing the deal like if you're in a community and they're not doing the deal and right. they're what we call trauma dumping. They're just coming yes. in and dumping all this crap. And then there's no solution. You, What's going to happen is you're going to just be a victim to that, right? So right. the key is to get, whether it's recovered life or another community that you feel good in, get into that recovery mm -hmm. uh, community and, and, and really participate and share and listen to what other people have to say and use other people's experiences. Look, this has been a, I, for me, I have to tell you, it there were some struggles this week. But mm -hmm. this was a great week in recovery for me. And it's it not really, over. The yeah, it's not over. I hope I hope everybody has and, and cultivates that joy and schedules loving actions towards yourself. And also, you know, seek self-awareness, connect with somebody. This is why we get sober to live these big, beautiful lives. And that includes challenge. So absolutely. Yeah. Thank what a you great so much. And you know, great. It's it's gonna everybody have a great weekend. Um, yes. I do want to mention, guys, if you want to be part of these Recovered Life discussions, head over to recoveredlife.us, become a member. We're going to notify you of everything going on. We have tons of discussions a week, and you can jump in and participate in them.
Beautiful. All right. Uh, episode 109, Christina Dennis, Friday, May 13th, 2022, in the can. We'll see you on Monday. Mwah. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.